This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Stephen Campbell, a retired professor and present radio host, author, and professional speaker, has traveled the world sharing the astoundingly exciting discoveries which cognitive psychology has made on changing the way we think. He first appeared on the show back on September 8th. Stephen, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be fun. We have done a lot of talking. You were on my show in September. Then I was on yeah. your radio show a couple of weeks ago. And mm-hmm. now here it is, October 13th. You're back on my show. So it's kind of like we're yeah. like, I don't know, brothers from another mother yeah, or something. I think so. From another land. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things we, because your first conversation was so awesome. Immediately, mm. I invited you back on my show. Thank you. But one of the things we talked about, we hinted at. But I said, look, we got to come back and talk about this goals thing, because Mm -hmm. here we are, October 13th, 2021. And yet one of the things I there's two things I I see people struggle with. One, they don't have any goals at all. Zero. And the others, people go, well, you know, it's only October 13th. I'm going to wait till January 1st. And January 1st, as you and I were talking before I hit record, it's just a date in the calendar. If you don't have goals today, you can create goals today. Absolutely. So let's, what, what is the psychology? Cause that's what you do of people thinking that I'll wait until January 1st. Well, first of all, we need to understand that our brains believe in everything we tell it. We are talking to ourselves constantly throughout the day and the brains believe in everything. Okay. So let's use an example. We'll use my wife as an example. We've been married for 50 years, but for the first 10, she smoked and she would say every January 1st, Okay, starting January 1st, I'm going to stop smoking. Here's what her brain did. Her brain said, wonderful, that's great. I'm going to go take a nap. Why? Because, number one, the brain can't control the future. Number two, it is so busy dealing with the present that the future isn't really important to it. Number three, the brain hates change. The brain wants you to meet those goals. He does not want you to meet those goals. He doesn't want you to stop smoking, doesn't want you to lose the weight, doesn't want you to make more money. Why? Because change involves risk. Change involves something different. And your brain's primary objective, one of its jobs, it has millions, but one of its big jobs is to keep you safe, keep you risk-free. So when you start using the word change, the brain freaks out. It said, no, 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 no. Let's not change. Let's stay where we are and let's keep this weight and let's keep smoking and and let's just not do anything. So every January 1st, January 1st would come along and she would quit smoking for a couple of days or so, maybe a week, maybe a month, and then she would get back to it. Why didn't it work? Let's talk a little bit about self-images because that needs to come in on this. It turns out, Mark, that we don't have one self-image. We have millions. You have a self-image for every single thing that you do. I have a self-image for every single thing that I do. So I have a self-image for how I see myself as a radio host, as a father, as a grandfather, as a coach, as an athlete. Some of those self-images are really high. Like I'm a really good teacher. So I have a very high self-image for me as a teacher. I have a very low self-image for me as an athlete. I am not athletic. I never have been. It's really not important to me. The only thing athletic thing I do is I run for long periods of time up this mountain behind my house. Okay, that's about it because, okay, and that's all right. 
that's all right. When I was a kid, that really bothered me. But now that's fine. That's who I am, da-da-da. So back to Mary. One of Mary's self-image was as a smoker. She had began smoking in college when she was 19 years old, and now she was 35. And so our self-images, Mark, are based on our self-talk. They're learned. You weren't born with them. Now, you and I, Mark, were born with certain natural dispositions. I was born a natural teacher. I have always been a teacher. <laughs> when I was a kid, I used to put rocks in my backyard pretending I was teaching them. I was I was just a weird kid. Well, you know uh, what? I, I, when I practice speaking, we only have a dog now, but I would speak in front of the cat and the dogs, yeah, and I would pretend yeah. there's being an audience. So I did the yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah. Because inside, your heart was just loving it. It's just, you just love teaching. You love doing that natural thing. Mary loves to organize. Our daughter loves to write. So we all have these natural dispositions. But our self-images are learned. You were not born with them. We learn them, and this is so wonderful because it's so easy to teach. We learn from our, from our self-talk. We learn from what we're saying to ourselves about ourselves. So I told you a story last time, and I'll just do a really, really quick version of it because it's just a perfect story that illustrates this whole thing. For the first 42 years of my life, I said to myself, I'm really stupid. I won't go into the reasons why, but I did. And I was, especially when I saw numbers. I saw numbers, and I'd freaked out. I can't do numbers. I'm really dumb, and da-da-da. And then in the 70s, early 70s, even before the Apple, computers began coming out, Radio Shack, etc., and I discovered computers, and I loved them. And I began taking them apart and putting them back together and figuring out how they worked. And I loved those so much, I said, I want to go back to school. So I went back to school. I got a graduate degree in computer science. And then I found myself teaching, because I love teaching, computer classes in colleges and universities. And I was really good at it. And then one day, the dean came to my office and said, one of our math professors just quit, Steve, so you're a new math professor. I, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't do math. I can't do math. And he said, do you want a job? Learn. There's the book. Next semester. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. So I ran down to the Roner Park Library, and I picked up all the books could on, not on math. I already knew math. All the books I could on how the brain learned. The physiology of the brain and psychology, that's how this whole thing started. And I taught my class based on how the brain learns, based on brain-based learning. And students began saying, oh, you are such a wonderful math teacher. I love the way you teach it. It's so neat, and I love it. And then the dean said, all the students saying, I will only take math and Mr. Campbell is my math professor. And here's what happened, Mark. I began listening to those students rather than what I've been saying to myself for 42 ah. years. And rather than hearing, you're so stupid, you're so stupid, you're so stupid, which our brain believes what you tell us. So the brain said, yeah, you're right. I began listening. I began saying, those students think I'm really smart. So I guess I am. And what did the brain say? Oh, okay. Yeah. You're right. But here's what happened. The more I taught math, the more I realized, my gosh, I'm brilliant. I ended up writing two college textbooks. Mm. What do you think? Computer software and math. 
So let's go back to Mary. So now I have a really strong self-image of being just brilliant in math, computers. And I mean, I'm just a smart kid. I mean, just I really am. Mary's smarter than I am. I need to let you know that. She's got master's in education. She's brilliant. But I'm really smart. Okay, so let's go back to Mary smoking. Okay, so Mary had this very strong self-image of being a smoker. And she would say, started in January, I'm going to quit smoking. And her brain said, wonderful. I don't have to do a thing because it's all in the future. And I'm going to sit back and just relax. So for 10 years, when after we got married, she would say that. Then one summer, she flew home to watch her father die of emphysema. Because he smoked a pipe and cigars way back when. And I picked her up at LAX, the airport up here. She looked at me and she said, you are looking at a non-smoker. And she has a smoke sense. Now, let's look at this. This is called gestalt psychology. Let's look at the psychology of this. Your brain hates gaps. Your brain hates gaps. So... Another story to illustrate what I mean. When my father died, he was very young, never took care of himself. Mary said to me as we were driving for the memorial service, if you die early, I'll kill you. Because I don't want to be a widow for 40 years like your mom's going to be, which she was. I was 40 pounds more than I weigh now. So I said, okay, I need to lose this weight. So I would get up and run and swim, and I would lose maybe three or four pounds a week. I gained it all back on the weekend. Why? Hey, you, listening to the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. I really appreciate it. But are you a Mark Stuchowski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter, and you can sign up right now by going to mrproductivity.com. M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Because I looked at myself in the mirror, and I would say, you are... A 240-pound man who's got to lose 40 pounds. When I said you are a 240-pound man, what did my brain say, Mark? Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. You are. But then it said, I didn't hear this part till later when I began studying psychology. Then it said, my job is to keep you at 240 pounds because that's how you see yourself. And it did for 20 years. And I was doing everything. But on the weekends, I gain it all back in the middle of the night, eating ice cream and chocolate chip cookie powders and all all the things that because if you're 240, you eat like a 240-pound person. Mm -hmm. Okay, so after 20 years of this, I said, this really sucks. This is really hard. So I began studying psychology. If you look behind, I'm in my office, so there's all my psychology books, okay? I realized I was giving myself the wrong message. So I look in the mirror, and this time I would say, you are 200 pounds, and you look fantastic. That's called an affirmation. An affirmation is simply a statement that when you write it correctly, triggers a picture in your mind of a goal as if it has already been accomplished. So I said, you weigh 200 pounds, and you look fantastic. And I'll tell you, Mark, when I said that the first time, my brain absolutely freaked out. (laughs) It said, uh, excuse me, excuse me, uh, reality check here. Uh, Look at the scale. 
Look at the mirror. You don't weigh 200, you weigh 240. You're crazy. And that's when I took over. And this is where I get teary-eyed. I'm the boss. What I say goes, brain. And if I say I weigh 200 pounds, I weigh 200 pounds. And the brain said, oh, okay. You're right. You're the boss. And I believe everything you tell it. So you're now 200 pounds. But Steve, there's a problem here. (laughs) It's like 40 pounds. There's this huge gap. And Steve, I can't stand gaps. I hate gaps. Hate gaps. So we got to close the gap. So let's close the gap, Steve. Okay. So we agreed on that. However, the first suggestion my brain made was to give up. The first suggestion my brain did was to point out that I had been trying to lose this weight for 20 years. And so it said, Steve, it's not going to work. Not going to work. You'll never lose the weight. Forget it. Just realize you'll just be 240 pounds, and that's the way it is. And that's when I said, I'm the boss brain. I don't want my wife pissed off at me when I die. <laughs> so I'm in charge here. And the brain said, okay, but now we got a problem. we got to lose that 40 pounds. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to eat like a 200-pound person. Now, even though we weigh 240, you're going to lock on to being 200 pounds. Do you remember that story that I told you last time, Mark? Uh, when my father taught me how to ride a bicycle, remember that? And he took me out to this road, took the training wheels off, and he said to himself before, he said, no, I'm going to run next to you, son. Don't worry about it. But to see that rock in the road about 50 feet, yes, Daddy, don't run into that rock. And I wanted to really impress my dad. Remember that? So I got down on my bike. I locked onto the rock so I would not run into it, of course. What happened? Bam. Right the rock. <laughs> That's the way an affirmation works. You lock on to it. So I locked on to being 200 pounds. So every single time I sat down for a meal, I said to myself, and I visualized how a 200-pound person would eat. Well, he doesn't have butter and crackers. He doesn't have three desserts. He doesn't have two helpings. He doesn't have all the other crap. He eats like a 200-pound person does. Now, at first, that was difficult. Why? Because it was new. It was new. It was something I'd never done before. But here's the most exciting discovery of, of brain physiology, I think, that ever was. When you lock on to a new message, I'm 200 pounds, our brain rewires itself. It's called neuroplasticity. Eric Kandel, In Search of Memory, Nobel Prize, 2002. And what the brain does is it rewires itself so that your messages become a mindset. And then over time, and it takes time, it doesn't happen overnight, it takes time that mindset becomes a part of who you are, um, part of the way you think, and then you keep locking on to it and it becomes a part of who you are. Hmm. Okay? So, in about a year, I lost the weight. Now, this is really important to understand. In my mind, there is still a self-image of a 240-pound person. I haven't replaced it. I mean, I'm sorry. I've replaced it, but I haven't gotten rid of it. If I, I To do that, I have to have a lobotomy, okay, which... <laughs> I'm not going to have. 
So it's still there. So I could eat like a 240-pound man anytime I want to. I could bring that guy back. It's right in there in my brain and bring him up. But here's the wonderful thing. Every single time I eat like a 200-pound person, that 240-pound self-image goes way, goes back in my brain farther and farther and farther till it becomes doesn't become a part of me. Okay? So let's go back to Mary now, now that we have all that. Okay. What happened? For all of her life, up to the age of 35, she said to herself, I'm a smoker. And she had this huge self-image. I am a smoker. And when she would say, I will stop smoking January 1st, like we all do, her brain said, wonderful, good luck, I'm going to take a nap. I'm not going to help you because I, I can't control the future. I'm too busy with the present. So it didn't work. Then when Mary watched her father die of emphysema, which is one of the most horrible ways to die, and she said to herself, I am free from smoking. Notice I didn't say not. Why? Because the brain doesn't know what to do with the word not. The brain's confused by the word not. Why is it confused? Because you're giving the brain two messages in the same sentence. When Mary would say, I will not smoke, she's saying two entirely different things. I will, and then suddenly she's saying, I'm not. And the brain says, wait, I, ah, e, ah, I'm not sure what to do with that. That really confuses me. What do you, what do, you do with that? And that when, So when you say, I will not, the brain does it. I remember there's this really famous story they built. Let me, a, let me interject whole, here because you've been going for yeah. about 13 minutes. And I want to I want to go back to what you talked about, uh -huh. self-talk and goals, because for the longest time and to put in perspective, if you've never listened to my show before, I'm 56 years young. I never understood how to create goals. I just thought, well, I don't know. I'll just lose a couple pounds. I'll make, you know, $100 more a day, whatever the case may be. And then I started studying how to create goals. And of course you can read a hundred different books and get a hundred different opinions, yeah. but I came across this guy named Grant Cardone and he founded the 10 X movement. And he, his big thing is you need to 10 X your goals. And so I remember when I first wrote down in my bullet journal that I have a net worth of a hundred million dollars. That is so foreign to me because I blew up, grew up in a blue collar family, you know, live paycheck to paycheck, little retirement, maybe once, maybe go on vacation once a year. And to say my two big goals right now is to have a net worth of a hundred million dollars and to make a million dollars a month. And the reason why I pick those is I've got elderly parents who need some care. And what Grant teaches is when you have a lot of money, you can help a lot of people. When you don't have a lot of money, you can't help a lot of people. And so I don't want to have a net worth of $100 million so I can buy all kinds of toys. Yeah. I want to do it to help my mom and dad. So what I do in one of the practices he teaches, and I'd like to know your thoughts on this, is I write my goals down. Now, I don't think about them. I write them down every morning because I want them ingrained on my brain. Is that something yeah. you recommend? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because what you're doing is you are making, you're putting those goals into the present, not the future, the present. And what people do is they write down their goals starting January 1st instead of November the 1st. Mm -hmm. You want to write them now because what you're really doing, and let's go back to Mary's story because this all fits in. Does your to-do list have you overwhelmed? 
When you join my digital productivity coaching program, you'll learn how to get and stay focused, become untangled from the chaos of your to-do list, experience less overwhelm, and have time to do what you really want to do. Sign up today by clicking the coaching tab at mrproductivity.com. What Mary did was she created a new self-image, and she did it by telling me. But then I noticed later she began writing it down also. I am free from smoking. And every single time she did, her brain locked onto that like the rock on the road. And it became real to her. And she smoked less and less and less until now she has no desire to even think about smoking. Okay, so it's a matter what you're doing exactly talks. It it backs up what I'm saying that you write it down. You put it into the present tense It's always present tense. I it's not I will be I should we should ourselves to death. It's I am. I am right now. I'm free from smoking. I weigh 200 pounds. I'm making a hundred. I'm worth a hundred million dollars. I'm making a hundred dollars, a hundred a million dollars a month okay and you write it down and the brain says okay this is what you're locked on to rocking the road this is what i need to make happen and i'll find a way here's another story that is so exciting. I love your stories, by the way. I mean, it's oh. like, cause you're like, you're, you're a little bit older than me. So it's like, I'm sitting with my grandfather. Both my grandfathers are, are, uh, have passed on. But when yeah. I listen to you talk, I'm so mesmerized. And I, I really oh. hope the listener feels the way I do because you, you have so much wisdom. And when you say, let me tell you a story, I'm like, okay, let me get all comfy and cozy in my chair here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Thank you. We have two daughters, Abby and Sarah, and Abby decided she wanted to go to USF. And USF is University of San Francisco. It's about 40 miles from where she lives, a Catholic university. Very expensive, very expensive. And if you teach, you're not teaching for the money. So we didn't have the money for her to go to USF. But she wanted to go to USF, and we wanted her to because that would be better than her going to school back east and our never seeing her. So we got together as a family on a Sunday night. We're, we're Christians. And so we, we committed to the Lord, and we wrote an affirmation as a family. Sarah is going to USF and learning so much. Really simple affirmation, but we locked on to that. The next morning, on Monday morning, I was going to work. I was taking the same route I'd taken for, for, seven, for seven years, North on 101, get off it, da-da-da. Okay. This time, it was different. I noticed a sign on the freeway. You know what the sign said? University of San Francisco. It's her own backyard. USF. I never saw that sign before. Why did I see that sign? Because when you lock onto a goal and write it down, your brain begins looking for a way to make that goal come true. That's his job. So it looks for ways to make it come true. So very, 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 I'll shorten the story down to, I had written a book on, on computer, on, on, on math and, and computer software years ago. And uh, the book was sold to, it was written to Q Education Training, which was the largest computer publishing company in the world. When I wrote the book, they loved it. They made 30,000 copies. You can still see it on Amazon. Uh, However, as soon as I wrote it, Q 
was purchased by Pearson Education, and Pearson never marketed my book. So I think we sold 18 in Australia. That was it. Okay. But I could say to myself, I'm a published author. I could also say to myself, I'm really smart. And the brain said yes to all those things, but the book never sold. Okay. So there's the sign USF. Oh my gosh. In my own backyard. So make a long story short, I got an interview for a job there because I'd heard they paid really well. And they said, we can't hire you. You don't have a master's. You don't have a doctorate. You have to have either a PhD or a master's to teach here at USF. I brought my books, by the way, that I had sold. I, I brought my two computer books, my software books. So they knew I was the published author. Da, da, da. And I said, thank you very much. And that was it. So they called me six months later. And they said, do you remember us? This is USF. I said, of course, I remember you. How are you? Good to see you. Steve, a computer class just came up here at our campus. And you're the first person we thought of but I don't have a master's or a doctorate. Yes, but you're a published author. But the book didn't sell. We don't care. So here's what we'll do. Because you're a published author, we will grandfather you in. And you can teach here at USF while you're getting your master's. And for every unit that you teach, we'll credit you that unit that you can put towards your master's so you don't have to pay for it. I said, if my daughter goes to USF, can we do the same thing? Absolutely. So for the next 10 years, I taught at USF in San Francisco, San Ramon, Sacramento, etc. It paid for our daughter's education and paid for my master's. I figured it out one time. I went to Excel and I put in all the classes I taught times how much they paid me for hour, which I won't tell you, but it was amazing. Plus the tuition we did not have to pay. I made $145,000 on that book that never sold. Wow. That, that's a stunning story. But that, before we wrap up, what I, what I want to do is I want you to talk to the person who doesn't have any goals. Okay. Here it is on October 13th, 2021. Right. And I know you like to tell long stories, but I want to make sure that people hear your message clearly. So if you okay. could pick one or two tips that you want people who don't have goals, or maybe they, they think about goals on December 20, uh, December 31st at 9.59 yeah. p.m., what are one or two things they can do today with no more excuses, no more settling, where they can start programming their brains to achieve their wildest dreams? Okay, number one, get a piece of paper and a pencil. Write down what is important to you. Write down those areas that are the most important. Your family, your job, social friends, money, etc. Write down what's the most important to you. After you've written down those down, pick out the, the top three, just the top three, because you can get blown away by all the goals. And you don't want to create too many goals because your brain doesn't like goals at first. Okay. Once you pick those top three, ask yourself, what do I want to replace? Not change. I never use the word change. How do I want to replace what I'm doing with my money and how do I want to replace in my marriage and what do I want to replace in terms of myself physically? Okay. Write those things down. 
So you come up with three goals. I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to make a hundred. I want to make a million dollars a month. I want Mary and I to go to Hawaii next year. That's what, and I need the money to do it. Okay. Write them down and then write them as if they've already occurred. It's already done. I'm making a million dollars a month. Mary and I are traveling to Hawaii next, next, next summer. Okay. And write them down in the present tense, in the present tense. I'm already there. And then lock on to them and start saying them to you now, not January 1st. Now, today, right now. And get your brain so used to that thinking that it begins rewiring itself. It also finds a way for it to happen. Now, listener, I I, I hope you do what Steve just said, because I have this fear that so many people are passive listeners. They're out walking the dog, out for a run, riding the bike, whatever the case may be. But the value is doing what he just said to do. So if you really want to make 2022 the best year you've ever had, it starts today if you're listening to this on October 13th. So we're going to wrap up. But before we do, any last any last thoughts you want to leave with us, Steve? Oh, this has been so wonderful. I guess what I want to say to your listener is that it's never, ever, 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 ever too late unless you say it is. You decide. It's your choice. That's the whole gist of cognitive psychology. Wow. Amazing. So I know people are going to want to reach out to you, find out more about you. So tell us about the radio show I had the honor of being on and where else we can go to find out about you. Okay. Well, you can email me at Stephen C. S-T-E-V-E-N-C at sbcglobal.net. And I have a number of programs that I would love to talk to you about. Number two, my book is on Amazon, Making Your Mind Magnificent. And then if you like a Christian version of that, there's also another book called Renewed, Becoming Everything You Are in Christ, which is also on Amazon. Excellent. Well, I am so thankful you're on September 8th. You're on today, and I was on your show. You're an incredible man. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. Hey, are you a Mark Stucheski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter where I will send you value multiple times a week. And I promise you, every time I send an email out to my insiders, it always has value. So if you want to sign up absolutely free, just head on over to mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com.